So Father John Misty in your mind is Slash. Yeah, like a younger Slash. That is the biggest compliment anyone has ever paid to Father John Misty. Welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and being disappointed by movies. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. But first, we're going to talk about how movies just disappoint us all the time. Um, so <laughs> All the time. All the time. Uh, in the past two weeks, we have both watched movies, a relatively new medium uh, that involves motion pictures. So these are pictures that move like in a Harry Potter book. Um, and I think we both have been disappointed by them. Is that the case, Matt? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what, what disappointed you recently? Uh, I went to see the Martin McDonough movie, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. Um, first of all, no one says Missouri in the entire movie. Is that actually something people do? It depends on which side of Kansas City you live on. Oh, okay. Um, I, whether, whether I like or not you live on the California side <laughs> yeah. or the Massachusetts side. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it was not a very good movie. <laughs> so what was disappointing about it to you? It's, it's sort of poorly written in a strange way. Um, insofar as that, like none of the rhythms of the character's language sounds real. Is that because they don't say Missouri? I, no, no. It's more because I think they're American, and I'm not entirely sure whether Martin McDonough can write. I never saw Seven Psychopaths, but this raises lots of questions about like whether he has a certain uh, almost Tarantino-esque like variation on like a, a, a Gaelic brogue that he just like cannot break from. Mm, interesting. And I okay, so the the issues are largely structural, and I can't really get into them without spoilers gotcha. frankly but certain characters are not given any sc- enough screen time at all other characters are given far too much screen time when they easily could have been cut and they seem it's very obvious when there are characters just present for jokes <laughs> and okay. like keep ge- getting reintroduced for jokes um one of the worst examples of this is peter dinklage who is in this movie seemingly just so that they can make comments about dwarfs <laughs> <laughs> like like cool comments about like, do you how remember the do you remember the dwarf from uh from in bruges yeah the racist dwarf that like colin yes. farrell like karate chops definitely yeah it's sort of a, a very questionable element of in bruges to begin with but it's yeah. also like but and yet seems like pivotal to, be to the entire film. very pivotal to the entire film and actually similarly peter dinklage is sort of very pivotal to the plot in this film but in a way that like he seems to be shoehorned into that macguffin like role the where he's pivotal for like this one particular reason for and some otherwise reason, he has several extended scenes where people just call him a midget and he just like has to respond in his very kind of like deadpan Peter Dinklage way and other it's, it's that wizard went to the moon. He says, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't believe that that's that voice track is now just like gone for yeah, good. It's a race from history and destiny where Peter Dinklage was um, a robot. Uh, I just want to say really quickly that I feel like in the context, you just described it. MacGuffin sounds like a really bad slur for a small person. Oh man, you're right. I didn't mean that. I hope we don't start anything. I really hope we don't start anything. Let's just 
skyrockets to the top of like <laughs> the Donald on Reddit. <laughs> I mean, similarly, McDonough seems to be like, okay, I'm setting a movie in America with these American actors, all great American actors, Sam Rockwell, Francis McDormand. Um, mm. Sam Woody Rockwell, Harrelson. the wizard that came from the moon. Pretty much. Kaboom. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, there you uh, go. A movie starring Kevin Spacey's voice. So I can't, don't feel like watching that anymore. Man, you almost had a segue there for me, but keep going. Okay. Uh, there's just also this element to the, to where Martin McDonough is like, well, what are, what are American things that I can touch on and satirize? And he just kind of like misses the mark with everything, including race. There's this underlying like not even a B plot, like a, an H plot regarding race. <laughs> and it's clearly in there just so that he can use the N word because Ugh. it's like an expletive or a shocking. It's just like, it is none of like the sharp satire of a lot of the plays. And it has none of the weird joy that's in, in Bruges that like counterbalances, in my opinion, makes in Bruges really, really wonderful because it counterbalances this weird sort of, uh, joy and fun with language with like these incredibly depressing yeah uh, without spoiling anything moments and scenes and oh, also themes certainly uh like child murder um it's a classic so i yeah it's it really let me down especially because it's so rare that we get to see Frances mcdormand in movies yeah totally. and to see her kind of just being I mean, she still does a really good job with so much of it. And she's got a lot of lines that are really great, but just go watch the trailer and you'll get all those. Mm -hmm. The rest of it just seems kind of like Martin McDonough speech. That's like not quite translated properly for an American audience in a, or poorly. I'm, the, I'm not explaining this well. This bums me out. Yeah. It bums me out too. Francis McDormand should be in more things. Agreed. You know what bummed me out? What bummed you out? Baby driver. Baby Driver. Everybody loves Baby Driver. Everybody I have loves, not seen it. Yes. Are you a uh, hipster? Is that why you don't like that it? That is why I don't like it. I'm here to put Baby Driver in the corner. And what I'm going to say is that Baby Driver is a movie, uh, and this is cast in a slightly different light uh, given more recent events, but it's a movie in which Kevin Spacey manipulates a young man to get him to do things that he doesn't really want to do. Um, and it's a movie that... I expected to really like because I love chase scenes and there are some very good chase scenes in this movie. I love music and this movie focuses heavily on music and I am okay with Edgar Wright. And then I watched this movie and I don't know if I like any of those things as much as I thought. Um, it starts off and it's super strong. Uh, it gets to a certain point where the main character has kind of gotten out of the game and then Kevin Spacey draws him back into the game. And I love really dumb plots. Uh, like I think the members of the video game studio rockstar where <laughs> people are in the game, get drawn out of the game and then get shoved right back in. Um, and at that point where this kid gets pulled back into the world of crime, which happens about two thirds of the way into the movie, I was really impressed by this film because I thought it was extremely well-written and the pressures on the main character were very clear. Um, you knew exactly why he would make decisions. You could see where he was in a very difficult situation. And it was one of those things where it's sort of like, okay, at this point, the screws just keep tightening and he has to make tough decisions. And instead of doing Seems any like of that... Seems like a really good setup for a really good movie. And it was. And then uh, the back half of this movie just implodes. John Hamm plays a character in this movie who's extremely uh, messed up, but sort of given sympathetic beats. And it turns out, spoiler alert, 
pause this for like stop listening for like 30 seconds if you're not going to see Baby Driver. John Hamm just turns into the villain out of nowhere for no reason uh, and a bunch of other things go wrong and it gets really gory and it kind of sucks. So Baby Driver, watch some of it, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's my review. Speaking of other things that disappointed us, Matt, uh, did news happen? We did get some news. Okay. In the last two weeks, I have just been out of the country in both England and Portugal. Uh, uh, Portugal. Portugal. Uh, Portugal, as I believe they say it in España. <laughs> yes. Uh, I've, been in, I've been in Lisbon and London. So I actually have no idea what's going on in the world of video games. And uh, I'm excited to learn in this section that we call the news. All right, I am going to update Bob on the news, which is all actually new to me as well, since I don't remember <laughs> writing this. I've been in a coma for two weeks. This is what happens every time Bob packs me up and puts me away because he's going to be out of town. He's out and it's time to celebrate. So <laughs> on a Friday, there's this thing that happens on, oh, this is all from Kotaku. There's this thing that happens on Kotaku during holidays where they let this guy named Peter Tiarius T-I-E-R-Y-A-S. He's a novelist of um, some renown, I suppose. And he uh, takes over to write this like very kill screen style stuff for Kotaku. So I'm going to throw a few of these at you. First one, what's your favorite video game world? (laughs) His is Fantasy Star. Uh... Oh, man. I wasn't really prepared for this to be a grilling. I thought you were just going to say things that happened. No, I want it off the top of your head. Oh, What's man. What's the very first thing that's, that when I said video game world, what came to your mind? I honestly, my mind just went blank, uh, and I thought about pizza parties, <laughs> a concept that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because it's like, why, why did I stop having pizza parties? Why is that not the setting for more video games? I mean... What if Spy Party were just pizza party? What if a hitman level was a child's hit pizza party. Oh man. But if you shoot a child, does it end? No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. What if it okay. was like, so uh, you, you had to kill through. one of their dads. Oh shit. This is awesome. That's actually yeah. really good. Um, yeah. at like a bowling alley. That's a great oh, hitman yes. level. That is a great Ooh. hitman level. Oh, think what's there's gotta be something next door to the bowling alley that you can also like, it's like a really beat up pub. Yeah. Where there's like a punk band playing and you can like yeah. impersonate one of the members of the band or be like a roadie. Mm-hmm. And then you can like end up shoving the dad that you kill in a road case. So he just gets taken out and put under the like band's uh, van at the end of the show. And then you run then, over him. No, no, no. He, like you kill him. You put him in the road case. Okay. And then that's how the body just goes. And they don't find it until they're in the next city. And no one knows how the murder happened. But we do. Yes, because we are the Hitman. Did you know that uh, Hulu is developing a new Hitman series? No, although... Okay. I, I love that that this is a property that apparently needs to be like bought. Like Someone's like, well, we want to make a series about a Hitman, but I feel like that's taken. So what? <laughs> what's the license? How can we get that license? How can we get about a coveted <laughs> Hitman license? If we, we just want to... It's going to be a guy who kills people for money, but... Uh, we're going to need a license for that because I it think... It just needs a snappy name. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's missing from this thing where a guy murders. Um, my favorite world is our hypothetical hitman level. All right, I like it. At a pizza party. I'll, I'd play that level. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. All right, I accept that. Uh, this is also from last Friday. I don't even know which Friday this is from, honestly. I think it's just from this past Friday. It is from a Friday. Yeah. Um, Japan now has Black Friday for some reason. Uh, I was just in England and I bought socks on Black Friday. At how much, a, how much were they marked down? Like 
some percentage. Sounds like this shit's spreading like a plague. Like the Black Plague. Oh, I was thinking the bubonic plague, but yeah, good point. So yeah, I guess this is a thing. I don't I don't really have anything else to say on this. Uh, I mean, than- Black Friday is an opportunity for businesses to encourage people to spend money, so it should continue to exist everywhere. Okay. Guy builds robot to grind badly for Battlefront 2 loot boxes. That's so funny. I was going to bring this up if you didn't. Uh, I did see this because, okay, Battlefield 2, uh, Battlefront 2. This thing is literally made with popsicle sticks. We're talking about way. Battlefront 2. Yeah, did I say Battlefield? You did. Okay. This is the It'd Star be Wars if it were one. Battlefield 2. It would be great if this person was that committed to Battlefield <laughs> Which 2. Which is actually officially on the internet archive. I found it yesterday while I was browsing. Oh, great. So that is that is right there with Hugo's House of Horrors and the original <laughs> Doom. Um so I saw that you can you can cheese this game with two rubber bands around the joysticks. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because all it, the way that the game works Are is, you telling me this guy wasted two perfectly good popsicle sticks? <laughs> yes. He could have just used two perfectly good rubber bands because what we're getting at here is that Battlefront 2 is a total cluster uh, and it allows players to earn in-game currency based on the amount of time that they play. Now, the developers of this game thought they were very crafty by saying that if a player was not inputting commands, uh, they would not count, like they could get booted off of this system that's awarding cash yeah you can't just leave your controller right. there while you, while you camp in a corner yeah or you can't just like leave it there and go do all this other stuff with your day and come back and still be logged in yeah um so what people have realized is that if you just point the sticks directions <laughs> it doesn't trigger that even if the directions of those sticks never changes uh which maybe is why you'd want to use his popsicle stick robot because once they fix this there's a certain point at which it would become impossible to tell if somebody was just tremendously bad at the game or cheesing it if the sticks were moving consistently. Oh, man, I'd love to see the algorithm that they built to source <laughs> out the people who just happen to be really bad at this game yeah. and boot them. Oh, it'd be so cruel. So uh, uh, what would you build a robot to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably make Hitman levels about pizza parties. <laughs> That's the only right answer. There you go. All right, moving on to Wednesday. Battlegrounds is getting modified in China to conform with socialist core values. Uh, So the regulators have stated, this is again according to Kotaku, regulators have uh, also stated that the game might would would initially have been banned because it deviates from the socialist core values, traditional Chinese culture and moral norms. Um, and so they're the company that is basically porting this and localizing it has promised to offer, quote, healthy, positive, cultural, and value and value guidance, especially for underage users. Uh, do they say what this is specifically? Like what they're what, going to do? Oh, God, no. But okay. I want to know how they're going to make this like weird, creepy Eastern European game about shooting people in the face somehow. Child-friendly? Child-friendly and morally. Well, <laughs> Not I morally. Uh, until recently, you had to make all the blood green in German games. Because uh, Germany was scarred and by uh, a few historical events, uh, which we totally solved and which don't reverberate today, particularly in America. Um, but there, there was a long-standing like moratorium on shooting people, so they would just make the blood green and say "There's zombies now," yeah, <laughs> and you would just go around gunning down people that happened to be zombies. Where, what movie have you ever seen in which zombies had green blood? Where did that 
no movies come from? I have no idea. I thought that Nazis had green blood. Yeah, that's the lesson that Germany taught to yeah. uh, an entire generation. All right, yeah, no, I'm very curious as to see what, what happens here. Um, chances are we'll never get an update on this because it's happening in China. So the only yeah. solution is to eventually go to China, build a PC, <laughs> and play, and play Chinese Battlegrounds. battlegrounds. <laughs> I hope that they just make the name of it, though, Chinese Battlegrounds. <laughs> Player Unknowns Chinese, Chinese Battlegrounds. battlegrounds. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I hope that there's a tank that you can stand in front of. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> what? Keep going. All right. Tuesday. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp is charming but sleazy. This is a Gita Jackson post. Are you going to play... I think that uh, the phone is the perfect location for Animal Crossing um, because it's a game literally designed around existing in real time. And You're speaking so idealistically right now, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think that if the, we exclude the other elements of it yes. that are potentially microtransaction based or anything like that, the concept of a game that takes place in real time that says, hey, if you're in your town on New Year's Eve, we're going to have a New Year's Eve party. Hey, on Tuesdays at 7, uh, whatever his name is, like J.J. Slider or whatever, that dog what plays the guitar. I think it is J.J. Slider. I think it's something like that. Which He's- is also a great chain restaurant. <laughs> and it is definitely where the Hitman pizza party <laughs> level takes place. <laughs> JJ Sliders <laughs> JJ bowling, bowling Emporium. Um so uh JJ Slider I, like it was going to show up on Tuesdays or whatever and, and you have your phone on Tuesdays and you're going to the bathroom at a bar and cuz you're drinking every night of the week and you open up your phone and you go and like oh, yeah JJ Slider's here cool and that's great that's the ideal you're situation in the bathroom for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah cuz you weren't going to pull out your 3DS in the bathroom unless you were there for the long haul <laughs> And uh, so I think this is where Animal Crossing has always belonged, uh, is on a device that has an internal clock that inherently matches the real world clock. And I think that there's potential for that to be a multiplayer experience. There's just tons of freedom that a phone gives you for Animal Crossing. Uh, my understanding is that this game... Said. I, I don't know anything about their actual implementation of this game. Oh, it's just pay to get ahead. But like... Speed up time, essentially, to, oh. to advance and move faster. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, you can play the game slowly if you want, but if you want the game to move more quickly, you pay. That's this is a Candy Crush formula. Yeah. There's a... So in the original Animal Crossings, um, or at least in the most recent 3DS Animal Crossing, uh, there was an island that was like glitched in some way or something where you could just go there and grab all these fruits every night and then just sell an insane number of fruits to the vendor and that was the money-making hack for old animal crossing and i think that people who were very into animal crossing all did that so i almost that seems so antithetical to the conceit though and i think i I think that paying seems antithetical to the conceit yeah and so i kind of there's always going to be an exploit like that right so i i hate to say it Having not played this game at all and knowing nothing about it other than what I've just been told, I'm actually on board because people are going to find a way to cheese the economy. And if I just say, hey, give me $2, you don't need to cheese the economy, I'll cheese it for you. 
uh, and anybody else who just wants to play it casually can still get the full Animal Crossing experience. Hear JJ Slider or TJ Slider or whatever his name is, uh, play his music before he goes back to Should run be. his pizza business. Um, in the Hitman universe. <laughs> the Hitman universe. What if the Hitman actually, <laughs> if there was a Hitman level where you went to an Animal Crossing town <laughs> and you had to assassinate JJ but Slider? It's just the Hitman man in that <laughs> town and everything else just looks exactly like Animal Crossing. And he dresses up like one of the yes. denizens, but he is clearly still just the Hitman <laughs> a man. Human man. Agent, what is it? Agent 37. 37. 30s? 40. 47. His exact age. Yes. Uh, and mine too. <laughs> um, so if that was the case, uh, that would be a great Hitman game. But generally speaking, I think this game is well suited to phones. And I think that there are plenty of places to put in free to play type hooks that I don't really find that offensive. Uh, in the sense that if you just want to get ahead in Animal Crossing, a game that is literally about being patient and paying off your debts, that's cool, man. Who cares? Uh, the actual game in Animal Crossing is building a house in the sim style and enjoying the fact that time passes realistically. So I, I don't think that I any of this breaks that. Isn't the plot that like your uncle died and left you a house and then you just have to pay off his credit card? You are, when you show up in deep debt to uh, a student, like a raccoon man, I think. Oh, oh God. What is that dude's Too name? Close to home. I want his name to be Mr. Tumnus, but that is not his name. No, that's the guy that's from a the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, that's a satyr from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But what if it's also him? Oh, my God. We're going to blow this thing wide open. Honestly, now I'm just thinking, what if the Hitman man <laughs> had to kill well, somebody so- in the world of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? And now I just want, like... It would be Mr. Tumnus. Hitman fiction edition. And he just goes to different, like, not copyright infringing, but blatantly of this, like, realm places. Which is like the names change just slightly. Yeah. So he goes to Larry Potter's world <laughs> and has to choke out Cho Chang. <laughs> I don't think her name would be Cho Chang. That, that's the name of the uh, one girl from Harry but Potter. But you'd have to change the name. Oh, Yeah. There was, um, this is kind of a non sequitur, but I was <laughs> doing the uh, New York Times cross. Oh, no, oh, not, not a non sequitur. <laughs> I was doing the New York Times crossword puzzle the other day, and it said, and the clue was in video games, comma, M- Mario's lover. <laughs> I was so confused because neither Luigi or Yoshi would fit. It turned out it was Peach. Um, oh my god! No, like I—that made me deeply uncomfortable. Well, okay, the as idea that I it is just already, like outing them as lovers. I have established in a previous episode that it has been proven now scientifically that Mario has a dick uh, because Mario has nipples, and um, <laughs> ergo, <laughs> this he is a sexual being. <laughs> thus, he can take a lover. And like Prince, he wants to be somebody's lover who is Prince in love with a princess. <laughs> oh. uh, and her name is Peach. Actually, spoiler alert for Mario Odyssey. At the end of Mario Odyssey, it is implied perhaps that Peach, not the, not so into the Mario. Well, she's been faking it. It seems like maybe she yeah. has. I don't blame her. Yeah, honestly, it 
you know, she's kind of maybe every time she gets taken, she's just like, thank God. Well, it's interesting that in the uh, the Mario cinematic universe, <laughs> by which I mean the 1993 epic Super Mario Brothers, it's actually Luigi and Peach that have it the is. connection. Or do they call her Daisy? Or is that Daisy? I think it is Daisy. Oh, it's Daisy. I'm sorry, because Daisy is Luigi's girlfriend. Luigi's lover, you mean? <laughs> his, his, well, yeah, Luigi has had more problems, like more trouble sealing the deal. Well, he, he has less opportunity. Yeah, that's true. He's, yeah, <laughs> we we don't really get a lot of visibility into that relationship. It's no. not just a, it's the tabloid sensation. She that just the Mario wants, Peach she, one is. They broke up after he just kept haunt, like going to haunted mansions and <laughs> vacuuming up ghosts, and she couldn't understand why he yeah, wasn't he, spending time with her. He's an obsessed ghost What's hunter. <laughs> She's like watching cell phone videos of him and he's like, I think I heard something. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Did you hear commercial that? break? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, if they had if Ghost Hunters, a TV show that is like one of my <laughs> one of my two favorite reality TV shows of all time. What's the other? I don't actually know. I just know that there's gotta be another one. Okay. I haven't thought that through yet. But I I actually like own ghost hunters like i paid <laughs> money to purchase and keep high definition video of ghost hunters on on my playstation <laughs> downloaded to the hard drive so that when i want to yes. install a new game new game in my you know 500 gig hard drive i always have to decide what to delete <laughs> it is never ghost hunters but i'm really disappointed that they didn't at some point throw a cg luigi in there that, that whole game is him going like oh. <laughs> Jumping uh, up in his legs. Did just, you hear that? I think it's a Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> um, where were we? I don't even remember. No <laughs> We've gone so far afield. So far at Kingsfield. Um, okay, Animal Crossing. Let's let's just move on. Final piece of news: Battlefront 2's campaign is good. Star Wars says Luke Plunkett of Kotaku. That is you the are, opposite you are of what I've heard. A Star Wars fan. I oh man, I I can't believe you're giving me this opportunity. I came to a realization over the past two weeks. Oh Christ. I don't think I am anymore. Because they ruined it for you? I I think the Disneyfication Are of, you just a hipster? Yes. So here, <laughs> let me give you my hipster hot take. Okay, I've realized I'm not a Star Wars fan. So and here's why. So when you first saw Star Wars, and I think that the reason that the first three Star Wars movies, particularly the first Star Wars movie, none of them, none of them ever worked for me. Never, that, never that, did it. You know, that's your own issue. Yeah, but no, it's a, it's actually deeply seated in my parents' divorce. It is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will not go off on that non sequitur just yet. Um, do you want to? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I didn't think so. Uh, but the first Star Wars movie, I think what's neat about it and what works about it in 1977 and what works about it if you show it to somebody today is that it hints at a world that is enormous and far beyond it, not only because it's media res fourth entry in a series, you show up and this person is being pursued and you have no idea why and you have no idea who what possibility lies beyond any of it. Uh, but because the characters all reference things that you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea who any of these people are. Han Solo references Jabba, and in the not special edition version, Jabba's not even there. He, he, you know he's in debt to somebody, but who is it? Luke talks about like wanting to 
be a rebel, but you kind of have no idea what the rebels are uh, or whether or not they're bigger than this group that you met. It's good fantasy and science fiction. Because the actual world it creates is very small, but hints at something much larger. And is this the reason why you think that the first entries in almost all good fantasy and science fiction... Uh, pieces of media are usually the best. Not necessarily, but I think that the issue that Star Wars particularly has run into is that the first three Star Wars movies, say what you will about Return of the Jedi, which is... A commercial? Yeah. But if those three movies follow the journey of these people. These people are introduced to you in that first entry, and it feels like their story kind of concludes... And there's the implication that we could just jet off and do something totally new. Yeah. And now that Disney owns it, and in George Lucas's own work, which I think avoids this problem a little bit better than the Disney stuff has, um, all we have ever done is followed these people. And all we have ever realized is that these people are the only people that matter in this entire galaxy that existed in this entire world. They're the only characters we ever care about. They're the only characters we ever see. And they're the only characters who ever impact the universe. And that's totally crazy. And that all that they've done is by expanding on the universe, they have made it smaller and they've made me realize that all of it is tiny and that their imaginations are incredibly limited. And like Luke Skywalker walking into that cantina and all of those aliens being there and all of this weird hostility against droids. It's just like, why are they hostile to the droids? Who knows who gives a shit? It's just weird. And you go, there must be a reason. Will I learn that reason? No. Yeah. And sometimes you enjoy, I've said this before in the podcast, but man needs mystery. And sometimes mystery is much more satisfying than having the politics of, of Star Wars explained to you. Well, and it's it's okay to explain the politics if that's a one-off thing that doesn't actually talk about the stuff that I've seen before. If the characters I've seen yeah. before aren't a part of it. Because guess what? They're not gonna be. It makes no sense for all of these things to intertwine and interact with Han Solo. I don't care about Han Solo's backstory because Han Solo is just a fucking crazy man who shows up and has a shitty spaceship. That's the whole premise of Han Solo is that his ship actually sucks. He's a braggart and he's in debt. And that's cool. Do I care what he was as a kid? No. Do I care where he went later? No. Did he pay off his debt to Mr. Tumnus? I have no idea. And I assume it was in that like, what is that candy that they eat in that book that I always wanted, but which is probably terrible. Oh, what is it? Oh my God. It's like treacle tarts or something. Turkish, Turkish Turkish delight. Yeah. Treacle tarts. (laughs) Jabba wants all these (laughs) Turkish delights. He doesn't have them. He has to shoot a man in a bar. Like all of that stuff is interesting because I know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And all that they have done is revealed that all of those things are tremendously less interesting than I ever could have imagined. And like the end of Rogue One, and it's like where Darth Vader is walking down a hallway killing people so that he can get to the doorway where we meet him in A New Hope. In A New Hope, when Darth Vader opens that door and walks out and the door, it's all smoky and he comes out of it and he's just like telling people what to do. You go, this dude's a bad motherfucker. I don't know who he is, but he can choke people with his mind and he is fucked up and he wants those people. And that's terrifying. What is not terrifying is learning that he got there by walking down a hallway. That is boring as hell. That is so stupid. 
Who cares? I know he's a bad motherfucker. He chokes a dude with his brain. <laughs> like, uh, there's no doubt that Darth Vader can kill people. He is a wizard. Like, it is so stupid. It is so weak. And it is such bad storytelling. And I don't want to be a Star Wars fan anymore because being a Star Wars fan now is just saying, I never want anything to resolve because I only want these characters to continue to exist and I don't want anything interesting to happen because it might be a conclusive story outside of the realm I've already seen. Yeah. All new, all new mysteries have to follow the templates of the original. It's so stupid. And so So, I am not a Star Wars fan. I'm a fan of a Star Wars movie that came out in 1977. (laughs) Like at this point, like <laughs> well put. when will Disney buy the Godfather franchise and say it's back, baby? Like <laughs> you wanted it, you get it. The Godfather four. I don't give a shit. I hate this. I speaking of movies that disappointed me, all movies. Movies suck now. Disney blows. Everything is terrible. I agree that movies suck now. Um, do you have your tickets to the Last Jedi yet? I'm going to buy them soon. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. What's your favorite Star Wars game? That was my actual one question about this, because I know that you're not going to be playing Battlefront 2. It's a good question. Uh, Potentially Rogue Leader. Uh, Rogue Leader is a very good game uh, that's on the launch game for the GameCube that still looks incredible. Uh, Really great video game. Um Maybe Dark Forces. I like Dark Forces a lot. I like those games very much. Now I'm sad. Yeah, you actually, your eyes are a little red. I am so, <laughs> I'm so just like... I, no, I, just, I understand. I was That's... sitting in a like Portuguese hotel room, and I, this just sort of dawned on me, and I just realized that Disney had taken away something that had given me endless hours of just being a kid and wondering what else was out there and making up things and thinking about things. And then that they had taken a generation of kids, regardless of whether or not you like star Wars, other kids would have liked star Wars and they've taken those kids imaginations and gone, well, does that really fit the extended universe we're trying to build? And that's terrible. I think that the more distressing thing to me in some ways, because I am not as heartbroken by this as you are, although I observe it like passing a car crash on a highway um, out of curiosity, <laughs> <laughs> but with zero empathy, stone cold. Uh, the thing that like really kind of distresses me though is how many people love it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And that I gets find to it because you do meet people every so often who feel the same way that you do. And again, I am observing that from outside and totally agree with you on everything that you just said, but but don't feel it the same way that you do. And I am consistently amazed at the number of people, including many listeners to this podcast, I am sure, who don't seem to take any issue with the, I don't even know what to call it, the capitalization of a mythology. To care this much about it as I do is pathetic. And I think that... I don't think that's pathetic at all. It used to be fun to care this much. And now they made me realize I'm pathetic and I resent them so deeply for it. And it's just because they have shown me my own weakness. I don't think it's pathetic at all. I think that that's a great betrayal. (laughs) I honestly do. In the same way that Darth Vader 
betrayed his teacher, Obi-Wan Kenobi? For Obi-Wan had the higher ground. <laughs> you are the chosen one! <laughs> That's the, arguably, in my, in my opinion, the greatest scene in any Star Wars film ever. I think that that scene is so... That line read by Ewan McGregor... Astounding. It's awesome. It's I, I'm, I know we sound like no, we're joking after yeah, all that, but I think it is really... You go, oh my God, these could have been amazing. Yes. If they just cut everyone but Ewan McGregor out of these <laughs> movies, which is my ideal, my ideal prequel trilogy cut is just Ewan McGregor. You just like actually like cut every other, everything out of the frame except for him. <laughs> it's, it's 40 minutes long. I don't think it would even be that um, long. There's so well, much just chaff in those bullshit. movies. Yeah. Um, man, that's a great moment though. He's so good in that. He is really great. He's really, and he's like the coolest looking Star Wars guy out of all of them. I disagree, but okay. <laughs> oh, I think he is. Um, in any case, that's uh, pretty much all I had from the news, other than that Pikachu can talk now. Say things other than his name. Have you heard about this? Some, I, I am stunned. When you were in silence. Portugal, you didn't hear about this? No. This is surreal, actually. You should watch, and anybody who's listening, Check this out online. Don't. Check it out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, YouTube, it's me. Um, <laughs> so It's me, Pikachu. Pikachu. Anyways, I'm going to stream <laughs> Minecraft now, so if you all want to hang out, this should be pretty fun. Hey, what's up, Goku86? <laughs> God damn it. Need more ore. Uh, in any case, there's a, a new Pokemon movie that's out in theaters. People are going to see it. And someone <laughs> someone took a bootleg video of the moment in this in which Pikachu, as he and Ash are, I presume, both dying, it seems. Um, Is this like an E.T. Elliot on the bathroom floor situation? Yes, very much so. And Pikachu, like, speaks multiple words in cogent sentences. Oh, and no. Ash looks shocked before <laughs> having a heart attack. <laughs> and apparently Ash does spoiler Ash dies. Oh my god, no I, way. Still the best part of this is you're watching this bootleg video and watching the audience's reaction <laughs> to this because this we're at a point when it's not like parents are taking their kids to go see Pokémon so the parents are like I guess it talks. It's like this is like diehard Pokemon fans are in this theater and they freak the fuck out. I'm freaking the fuck it's, out and I'm not a diehard Pokemon and fan. And even when I, when I watched it, I was, I was at work in an office with other people <laughs> and I just started like giggling, <laughs> just like not entirely sure how to like as weird as you think Pikachu talking is in your head. It is infinitely weirder to actually hear it. Is his voice just like a smoker? No, it's like, the same voice, oh, and that's what's no. even weirder about it. <laughs> it is like the same voice. It is whoever the person who has been doing Pikachu's voice this entire time is like finally been like, yes, now is my moment to shine. <laughs> and <laughs> God. speaks. Anyway, um, I don't know. Check that out if you want. I don't know. I don't really. Whatever. Dude. Whatever. Whoa. Uh, Every day we drift further from God's light, <laughs> as, as they say on Tumblr. Um. um all right. Have you played any video games? Yes. Yeah, so you remember that game Horizon Zero Dawn? I do. That I didn't like? Yeah. Yeah, I beat it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I kind of really like that game. Yeah, everybody likes that game. And when you didn't like it, I thought that you were you crazy. You know what's really bad about that game? What? The entire opening 10 hours. Really? You know what I can't believe I played through? The, opening the entire opening 10 hours. How but long it turns did it take out you to when beat? you don't have much to do, because I've been like 
cooped up like working on personal projects and so i was playing that game to to like kill time it probably took like close to 40 hours to beat the whole okay. thing um, that's a sizable chunk oh it's a big game and i did quite a few side quests because i was enjoying them i've i've heard that the storytelling is kind of good in the so, side quest <sighs> The storytelling in the side quest is the equivalent of people being like The Witcher 3 is amazing side quest where you're like, this is where it should have been 10 years ago. Um, and But they're also much more enjoyable than the larger story because they don't conform to the sort of uh, standards that the larger story has to conform to, which is like, we're going to defend the world from a big baddie. Know, big baddie. And there's going to be multiple little baddies along the way. Yeah. So in that regard, the, the side quests are good. The story is fine. What really excels in this is... It, from a storytelling perspective is actually like the general wokeness of the game. Mm. I, would, I would call it like lots of strong female characters that don't feel shoehorned lots of like kind of ambiguous ethnicities, which is initially like initially present, but also just then like gradually becomes much more interesting when you get to meet these different tribes and groups of people. Um, none of which is based on ethnicity in any regard. Everyone yeah. is, is it's it's really kind of it's fascinating and the fact that the main character Aloy is like super caucasian actually has plot related reasoning behind it in that's an interesting super way. cool um there's this element to the plot too where you get to meet these characters through holograms that you uh th these are essentially like the, the you know the age-old um system shock bioshock sort of like audio diaries but they are sort of this, so this is something that happened hundreds of years ago, but it's all sort of relayed in such an interesting way that I find myself listening to and reading all of the text, something I never do in games, yeah. frankly. Um, so I was really into that. It's also, it grows incrementally more gorgeous as you go along. Mm -hmm. I There were moments when I was literally like taken aback by some of the moments. And I'm, not even, I'm playing on a regular old PS4. Like I could only imagine with the HDR like some of the sunsets and sunrises um, are just uh, phenomenal. But the important thing is the gameplay itself. Uh, the close quarters combat, like all the melee just is absolutely atrocious. But the shooting gets really fun once you unlock the time slowdown yeah. component. Well, which that's you, true of Breath of the Wild too, right? But Breath of the Wild doesn't have you unlock it. Breath of the Wild gives it to you from the very start, provided you're in the right situation. And this does a similar thing where if you're jumping or sliding, time slows down if uh -huh. you aim at that time, but you can also slow time um, with the press of a button. This improves combat exponentially. Mm -hmm. And one of my other favorite things about it is that the rest of the skill tree is almost entirely useless. I racked up like 38 points in the skill tree at some point. You just like didn't even Because I just wasn't using it because I wasn't thinking about it because like the game is, because like the, the improvements don't actually make you better. Like a few of them like allow you to hit a little bit harder or something like that. But for the most part, they're like scavenge more items. I didn't need more scavenge more items. So the game actually forces you to get better at playing it. That's cool. In a very in a way that just doesn't happen in open world gaming with where you have these RPG elements that usually let you just become a powerhouse by the end. Yeah, normally the game is based around gaining experience points rather than the idea that you are the experience points. Yes, exactly. You improve with your numbers yeah. as opposed to you improve with your skill level. And this is so satisfying in that implementation, which seems it's hard to tell if it's accidental because I'm not really sure what the skill tree is for, if not just to be there. Um, it's 
the combat becomes much more engaging and much more fun and much more interesting as a result. Shooting against playing as people is, or not people like other people, but human humanoid enemies still less fun, but the large creatures and monsters and figuring out their tells and figuring out their weaknesses and um, kind of like gaming them because they react very much because they are literally AI within the game. And they also, that kind of, makes it even more fun to game them within the game because... What's that Dark Souls effect? Well, it's the Dark Souls effect, but they are literally AI within the game, oh, within the story of the yeah. game. So there's this weird meta aspect to it that I really had fun with where I was like, this thing isn't smart enough to know that if I'm hitting it in this way, it's going to have to like cool down by releasing like its oh, heaters wow. out of its like joints. And so it, it becomes like this really fun... Man, it, it improves dramatically that sounds um, terrific to the point that like i would definitely like recommend this to anybody and the main character aloy is super fresh like everything about it just feels fresh you know in that way and, that's so cool and except for the first 10 hours because in the first 10 hours you're doing the same bullshit of like she's got a mentor the mentor is going to die in some way she's going to initially just want revenge then she's going to realize like there's something larger going on here but the larger thing is actually somewhat interesting up until the end where it becomes just about saving the world but like the middle like 20 if this is a 40 hour game the middle 20 hours and especially the story quests are surprisingly good and nuanced and sort of fascinating well it seems Um, like the issue with it is less that the the story has issues and more that the mechanics themselves don't actually blossom from what you're saying the mechanics blossom as you add in certain important things like the slowing your slowing time really what if you could just slow time from the start it would vastly improve the combat right um and i think that like if you look at tips posts for this game a lot of people just say like go for these immediately oh so you have to purchase it oh you have to purchase it yeah see that's i'm sorry that's, a huge that's on the skill tree so it's something where yes. you could have gotten it otherwise earlier, but you did not tree. know you could yes oh and that's so rough the skill tree and i mean i got the there's like two degrees to it and the first one is like a slight one and the second one is like a boosted one and I'd gotten the first one when I was playing before, but also like the enemies up front aren't that interesting. The opening space isn't that interesting. So I think it's less that it's like stumbles on some of the, the, the actual systems that you're playing with inside the game and more that it conforms to such an open world design and so many of those conceits and so many of those cliches that it feels so rote and familiar mm-hmm. in that, those opening 10 hours that you're like, do I really just want to play another game like this? And you frankly, if you is. continue, yeah, and if you continue through, yes, you do actually want to play another game like this if it's this one. Like, skip Assassin's Creed, play this game because it is mechanically satisfying once you get to the point that it allows itself to be mechanically satisfying. Do you like it more or less than Breath of the Wild? Oh, less than Breath of the Wild. There's no Breath of the Wild. I, I just, mean, this is the thing is that like the ledges remain impossible throughout because <laughs> like there's like a slight like it, it like it looks like bird shit along the ledge or something like that. Right. And it was like so like you're supposed to be looking for those. But I still jumped against walls constantly. <laughs> so like climbing is still like a drag. But traversing isn't so bad once you kind of get a rhythm down. And it's actually certain environments are so beautiful that I would not fast travel. I think I actually fast traveled less in this game than I did in Breath of the Wild, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I, I was sort of ashamed about my fast traveling in Breath of the Wild. I, I didn't, bre- didn't fast travel like at yeah. all in Breath of the Wild, uh, just because I enjoyed finding new stuff. In my 
a hard mode version of Breath of the Wild. I didn't fast travel at all either, and it was much more satisfying. It's a better game yeah. for it, yeah. There's um, something to be said for games that get prettier as they go, and I feel like yes. that's long. that's been a long-time Nintendo trick to kind of ease you in visually. Yeah, I think that the, the opening of... Um, do you remember the Hinterlands in Dragon Age Inquisition? Or did you not play that? I didn't play that one. There's a, there was this famous um, kind of example of... In Dragon Age Inquisition, people were playing in the opening kind of like large area, and they didn't realize that this wasn't like the whole game, or this wasn't like mm-hmm. half the game. And it's just like this very boring, like <laughs> kind of like woodsy plains and like ice in the distance kind of area. And that's exactly what Horizon Zero Dawn opens with. It opens with like its most boring topography. Yeah. But it's also like very large. So you keep thinking like, well, even though you can see the map overall, you keep thinking like, well, this is a big chunk of the map. And no, just get the fuck out of there. Right. Like get moving. Because once you get to the mountainous areas, it is gorgeous. And it does amazing things with light and amazing things with color. Um, And again, playing on like non-HDR, I can only imagine what it would be like. Anyway, if you have a PlayStation 4, this is definitely a game to purchase, especially because it's probably ridiculously cheap right now. Awesome. Yeah, I really very much want to play that game. Um, did you play anything else? I started playing Battlefield 1 again because okay. that's the only multiplayer game I love. I love that game. It's that so, game is intense. It's That's why I like it is because I, as stupid as it sounds, I enjoy the experience of just like hunkering down and being terrified. Mm-hmm. It's similar to why I enjoy like The Last of Us or um, Evil Within on like the hardest difficulties that that fragility yeah. gives me a rush. Well, and you're, you're just under pressure in that game. Yes. And the, the sound design is so good that it just cranks, oh, yeah. cranks it up. Always playing with headphones. Yeah. Always playing with headphones. It's very, it's very satisfying. I mean, it's, it's an anxiety attack in a certain way, but I sort of enjoy it. It allows me to kind of like experience anxiety in a healthy way. <laughs> I think. Well, there's kinda, something so disturbing about it because. Oh, it's, it's enormously disturbing. It's not a real reflection of war, but there's something about the sound design in it that makes it on that edge of being a little too much for me. And I mean that positively, mm. but it's right there where it makes me uncomfortable. It's yeah, it's, it's deeply. And I, it took me a while to get back into it. Um, but I just, they've like uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend, they're trying to sell a bunch of like new maps. So they've mm. made them free to play. Interesting. So I've been playing on these new maps. And it's also just like a, kind of gorgeous game in a very sublime and horrific way. It's extremely pretty. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It, it is as someone who does not enjoy extraordinarily certain kinds of extraordinarily violent movies. Like I didn't like John wick as mm-hmm. well as I, th- I thought it was clearly pretty well made, but like did not enjoy the violence of that film. There's something about the violence of this game that, um, I kind of am in, in awe of in a hor- in a horrified, it's like that place where like, it's strangely like oh, I'm in awe of it. Really, yeah. it's just it just shocks me. But it doesn't shock me in like a visceral, like Quentin Tarantino way. It shocks me in a like I I just want to hunker down and hide way. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand entirely why I'm so drawn to that in in this video game. There's something really oppressive about it, oh, uh, yeah. where it it just feels it communicates extraordinarily well the sense of being small and meaningless in a very large conflict. Yes. Uh, which 
kind of counterintuitively makes me value the character I am at that moment more. Yes, 100%. Always. Rather than devaluing them, you it seems never, to escalate their you value. You never feel as though you were playing the same character. Yeah. After you die. You're you having always, a new experience. Yeah, in and the it's multiplayer. A bad one. And it's... I, I'm not, I haven't really played much of the single player, but it is... A, it is such an impressive video game, whether they intended for that oppressiveness and that sort of sense of, of being, like you said, like so small and such a large conflict, whether they intended it to be as effective as it is, I have no idea, but it's incredibly effective. Yeah, that's a cool video game. It is a very cool video game. Have you been playing anything? Uh, I intended to play Mario on my trip and then they kept checking my bag rapidly and I was like, I need to get my... No, and I couldn't get my oh, switch out of it. No time on the planes. Uh, so no time on the planes. Um, and then I came home and I had an email from the makers of Hollow Knight. I, it's been on, it's been on steam and I've almost purchased it several times. Hollow Knight is a video game. It came out this last year. It's supposed to be very good. I desperately want to play it. Devotees will remember that in the second episode, I purchased it. The controller support on the Mac is lacking in the sense that it doesn't work at all with my Xbox one controller. Uh, Every other game I have on Steam works with my Xbox One controller. I can use the Xbox One controller perfectly to use Steam Big Picture Mode to open the game, at which point it stops working. I sent the makers of this video game an email. They were very prompt in their response, and they directed me to a help page uh, that said, hey, check out the second response here. I did what that second response said. The controller does not work. Uh, I really wish I'd gotten a refund for this video game because it is non-functional. Did you email them back again? No, I will. What, is, what are the the team that made it? Team Cherry. Team Cherry. That's what it is. They seem like nice people, but they probably shouldn't have put this game out on the Mac because if you Google it, there's just a lot of people. Even people who see, get their controllers working uh, will say things like, it only registers every fifth press. <laughs> mm. Does the PlayStation 4 controller work any better? I have know? no idea. The other people have not specified what controller they're using. Some of them are using like Logitech controllers and oh, stuff. So that it's I was really, like across the board. I think it is a controller issue specifically on the Mac. Did you mention that you were a, uh, a co a a co-host, co-host of a renowned podcast I with did a not. following of tens of people. I should have done that because they probably would have <laughs> lit that fire underneath them to sell more Mac copies of their video <laughs> game. Um, it but was, I, it was all over the Steam store. Well, it looks cool as hell. Yeah. I really want to play name. Hollow Knight. Yeah, this I've is the Ballad of, of Hollow Knight. Um, wow. Uh, I really want to play it, but I don't think I will. Um so you haven't played any video games in like two weeks? No. What does that feel like? Pretty all right. I don't think I've done that since college. My thumbs uh, have gotten a good rest, <laughs> and I can't wait to put them to use again. All right. Gotta so work up those blisters. Yeah, this coming week, I uh, I intend to get some gaming in. But uh, oh, we have to do favorite things. It's time to do favorite things. Mine's real fast. Okay. Uh, remember last week I said go watch Alias Grace on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I still say go watch that. It's <laughs> incredible. Um, I am now rereading the novel. Oh, cool. The novel's also incredible. Just Margaret, it's a novel by Margaret Atwood, alias Grace. Absolutely incredible. It's novel. about a murderous, a murderous. There's an entire, a murderous, bit, murderous. There's an entire bit in the novel and in the TV show about the term murderer versus murderous. <laughs> and it's, it's just like, it's all is Margaret Atwood is just like a, a Canadian national treasure. And, Man. Anyway, just go go watch the show, read the book. You don't need to read the book if you before watching the show. Just do either. It doesn't matter. They're both just phenomenal. Awesome. I 
would really like to watch it, um, but I might end up reading the book instead. So I don't I, know. The show is just as good as the book, in my opinion. But cool. I think the show is like really phenomenal. Awesome. I that that sounds great. Um, and I could use like a new drama to watch after. Oh, it's I, a comedy. <laughs> about a I'm murderous. sorry, did I mislead you? <laughs> um, all right. My thing is a location, and it is a uh, castle or manor estate in the town of Sintra in Portugal, which I just visited. And this is a place that is called Quinta da Regalaria. De Regaliera. Regaliera? No, I, I think I said that wrong, but Quinta de da Quinta. La da, Quinta Inn. Yes. Um, this place is amazing. Uh, and it is amazing for several reasons. It's a big manor house. It's all gray stone. And it's on this enormous property that has all these other gray stone structures on it that are like castles. Uh, a well that is like five stories down into the ground that you reach by going through underground caverns. And it is quite literally a Dark Souls level. I am going to read you locations off of the map that I was given at this place. And I want you to tell me if you think they are a place that I went on this property or a Dark Souls stage. <laughs> Undead Berg. Grotto of the Virgin. That's a, that's a, that's a place, a real place. <clears throat> In Portugal. Subterranean Tower. Uh, that's, I'm going to say that's a real place in Portugal, but that could go either way. You are correct. Portal of the Guardians. That's Dark Souls. That is a real place. <laughs> I think I saw that movie. <laughs> Terrace of the Celestial wor Worlds. That's, that's a real place in Portugal. That is. <laughs> Towering Ziggurat. That's a game by Tim Rogers. <laughs> that's no longer available on iOS. Tim, get on that. Uh, that is a real place. Incinerator. That's that's a level in in Quake. I don't know. <laughs> that is a real place on this property in Portugal. Workshop of the Arts. Um, that's definitely in in Bloodborne. Uh, that is a real place in Portugal as well. Uh, Chimera's Court. That's Chimera's in, Court. Chi Chimera? Chimera's Court. That's, I'm going to say that's a, these are all real. That's a real place. <laughs> Labyrinthic Grotto. <laughs> that, that's also a real place. Did you go there? Yes, we went to all these Did places. Did you find your way out? Yes. What level were Lake you? Lake of the what? Waterfall. I was level 60. Did you call on, on help? Lake of the Waterfall is next to the cistern. Lita's Grotto. Oh, that's a real one. That's sad. That is a real one. Uh... Balinarium Fountain. I have no idea. It's real. They're all fucking are, real. Are, do, you, do you have any Dark Souls? No, down? these are all actual places. Can I have that map? Yes, I brought it oh, for really? you. you yes. Did? It is amazing. It was one of the coolest places I've ever been. If you ever go to uh, Ooh, visitor's Portugal, entrance, this is places 40 minutes outside of, Port, uh, of Lisbon, Portugal. It's called Sintra. It's a town. It's got a lot of castles, but the one you want to go to is Quinta da... Regaliria, Regaliera, uh, which is awesome and such a weird experience. And it quite literally looks like it is out of Dark Souls. It is so much fun. How's the cafeteria? I did not go there. <laughs> there are no demons to kill. <laughs> Anyways, uh, is that the I hope you all go there in the next two weeks. 
And once you get back, there'll be a new episode of the Zero Stars podcast. Yep. This is NPR.